eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What is up, everybody? Back to the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7, Let's talk some Georgia football, guys, and uh, we, we got a full show. Uh, we got mailbag, second half. Uh, going to dedicate the whole second half to the mailbag. Front side of the show, though, going to talk a little bit of quarterback situation at Georgia. We're also going to give our Wednesday leans on Georgia-South Carolina, kind of how we see uh, that one shaking out here in the middle of the week, and we got picks coming tomorrow. Uh, so uh, if, if you're wanting those, stay tuned until tomorrow. But, Rusty, What's the latest you're hearing on Georgia's quarterback situation with with Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels? Kirby Smart comes out, what was it, Tuesday night, last night, says uh, neither guy's 100%. Stetson's dealing with some back issues, uh, some some back soreness, some back tightness, I guess. And But he does say JT Daniels is feeling a lot better. Just got off the SEC conference call with him about an hour ago um, where he said that, that JT is much improved and, and it's getting better there. What is your latest read on that situation? What a difference a week, mate. You know, a week ago, everybody's like, please, God, Stetson Bennett's not not playing. I mean, it was just like this, that, everything. And now everybody's like, damn, I hope Stetson Bennett can play if JT Daniels can't play. So right. it's kind of funny how the, me and Kip dealt with that last week, how the trajectory went towards that conversation. But, um, you know, I read what you wrote this morning, Jake, on the junkyard and, and your, your board post. And I'm kind of along the same lines. I've heard that both guys took reps. I heard Stetson Bennett took the most reps yesterday with the ones, and that's still okay because you know JT Daniels knows the offense. He knows he knows what the game plan. You know he knows what they expect out of him if he can play. Uh, I've maintained the whole time. I still think this is going to be kind of a game-time decision and how it goes because you just don't know where he's going to be in three days or something like this. been very clear. You know, the only thing that can help this is rest. So – uh, you know, you're playing an SEC opponent at night at home. You know, first this game right here is a your first SEC game, um, South Carolina undefeated team. So, you know, all the things are there to say, JT, you know, play. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a game time decision, in my opinion. And if he doesn't go, obviously the Georgia staff and I think the Georgia fan base uh, now uh, feels a lot better knowing that Stetson Bennett is a part of this team and he's in that offensive huddle. All practices are big, but Wednesday, I think you would, you know, most coaching staffs would consider it as kind of that last sure. really normal practice of the week. Even Monday is not necessarily normal. It's kind of a correcting what happened the week before going over the film. Uh, yeah, they, they start working on install. Yeah, they start, 
Right. Yeah, they start working on the next opponent. Tuesday, full-fledged. Wednesday, full-fledged. And then Thursday, they start backing them off a little bit, start getting into kind of a little bit of recovery mode while still continuing to prepare. And then, uh, obviously, Friday is all recovery, is, is basically all a kind of a the haze in the barn, let's, let's get this thing ready mentally. And uh, then, you know, Saturday's game day. So a lot still yet decided, you know, I mean, this could be a situation where JT feels great today. He gets most of the reps today. He goes on the start Saturday. Uh, it could be a situation where they continue to be cautious with this. The one thing I really want to stress here though, is, is everything I'm hearing. And, and this is really trusted information that, that I can tell you here. They're going to be really cautious with this injury. This isn't something Georgia, Georgia can afford to be a little bit cautious right now because I mean, you know, South Carolina, the next two opponents, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, both in transition, both teams, you know, listen, I, I don't like calling anybody inferior, but but in terms of the talent, in terms of the roster, both teams paper, very much on, inferior. On you know? paper. Right, yeah, on paper. And, uh, I mean, let's face it. If, if Georgia goes out there, plays well defensively in these two games, it should not give up very much. Uh, you know, there, there's a very good chance Georgia goes to the next – there's a very good – better than you would normally say playing two SEC teams in a row, that Georgia can extend its touchdownless streak from nine quarters to 17 quarters in the next two weeks, okay? Georgia's going to have that opportunity. Is it probable? I, I Probably not. But, you know, Georgia's got a chance to, to play really good defense and win these next two games by playing really good defense. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see if they can kind of get that done. Uh, Kip, if Georgia, if Georgia does – have a decision to make there. And I know it all depends on health. Uh, do you think it's best to go ahead and get JT Daniels back in the mix and, and, and get him going maybe even a series or two, or do you just kind of ride this one out with him and, and, and see what it looks like next week? I think that you'll Georgia will find out today or tomorrow. I think they'll, they'll see how JT looks in practice today on Wednesday as we record this show. And then Thursday, and if he's not really close to 100%, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, they may bring him out there Saturday just to see how he, how he feels and looks. But it's just like last week. Why, why would you risk that? You go ahead and and get your guys the reps that you know are going to be able to play in the game. So if he can't go out there and practice fully and 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 feel great about it, then I, I mean, I think it's Stetson Bennett that gets to start again. I mean, there were a lot of unknowns last week. Nobody knew what was going on. I think that's kind of the benefit of this UAB game is now you know you have, you know, initially at the quarterback position, you know who can, you know, run this offense and, and put Georgia in a situation to win. So I just don't think the game plan changes until JT Daniels 100%. I think the rotation you saw last week, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if, if Carson Beck – you know, was really able to take advantage uh, of the offense because UAB, you know, initially sell, they were selling out to the run. And by the time Carson came in, they said, you know what? I don't know if we could sell out to the run anymore. We might have to make some adjustments here. And he was the benefactor of UAB making some adjustments out there defensively. But overall, I think as far as reps go, and you know, the game plan was solid. The rotation was solid. I don't think you really change anything. You, you you put Stetson Bennett out there, and if if the game is in a good you know situation, you continue to rotate Carson in and get him more experience. Now, if JT comes out there today and he's a hundred percent, then this, I mean this is his team. The, the now the narrative is all of a sudden switched. Like Rusty said, everyone was 
worried and, and maybe upset that Stetson was getting the start. And now the, the discussion is if Stetson has another good game or two these next couple of weeks, do we have a quarterback controversy on hand? And guys, I mean, JT Daniels, this is this is his team if he's healthy. But it's also Stetson Bennett knows that he could take this team where it needs to be until JT Daniels gets healthy. And so I, I don't think that this coaching staff is going to worry about putting a less than 80 to 90 percent JT Daniels out in the field the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I have my doubts as to whether he's going to be truly 100 percent the rest of the year, because with each passing day, with each passing practice, nobody is. I mean, it's it's really tough to be 100%. If you've been out there and you've gotten hit a few times, uh, that's going to happen. Now, if you're a quarterback that's kind of, you know, if you're a quarterback or a punter or or somebody like that that doesn't really take hits, that doesn't really, you know, deal with the rush and, and you know, maybe have to take off with it and slide and get popped there too, then maybe you are 100%. But, uh, you know, neither Stetson nor JT are right now, compared, uh, according to Kirby Smart. And, uh, you know, I, but but I will say this. I don't think there's anything to be concerned about with Stetson. Uh, I really don't think there's anything to be long-term concerned about right now still with JT Daniels. I mean, I think if they if JT Daniels had to play on Saturday, he'd play. Saturday was the SEC championship game. JT Daniels was playing, okay? But I think Georgia can afford to be cautious with him right now. And with Stetson Bennett dealing with the back issue, I, I'm told that he hasn't missed any reps as far as practice goes. He hasn't been limited. And, uh, you know, maybe he's dealing with some soreness there, some moving around. Maybe they're – adjusting some things for him to kind of keep that from flaring up. But, uh, you know, it's a treatment deal for both of them. And and uh, I think both will be available to play on uh, on Saturday night against South Carolina. And, and listen, th- this is not out of the realm of possibility. South Carolina comes out there with a really good game plan. Uh, you're, you're looking at a, you know, three to three or three to nothing or nothing, nothing score after the first quarter. You might see JT Daniels come in to give, the, give Georgia a spark. Uh, you know, w- with them intending not to play him uh, from that ju- uh, from the jump there. So there's a lot of different scenarios that can play out, and that's why you need to be over at the junkyard because we'll we'll uh, we'll do a pretty good job of telling you what's going on and and try to give you the best, most up to date information there is. Rusty Wednesday lean Georgia South Carolina. How do you see this one? Uh, I mean, that's same lean I've had Sunday. I mean, um, this is a game that, preseason. Yeah, I mean, this is a game that. Um, George is clearly better than South Carolina, you know, and I think the South Carolina, you know, I read their board, the big spur, those guys do a great job there. The pulse there is let's get through this game. Let's try to compete, stay healthy and get ready. They're trying to get the six games, six wins. And that would be a tremendous first year under Shane Beamer. Uh, but they're not built for a game like this. Um, this is, this is, you know, George is, you know, they're, you know, Shane Beamer said it yesterday and I, I, I think that um, I, I may have said this. I think all of us have probably agreed with it. On paper, this is probably the best defense that I can remember Georgia ever having. Just just from across the board, I know one of our posters here uh, on the on our comments here asked us what makes this defense different. I think you got a lot of experience. I think you got a lot of um, a lot of length, a lot of speed, and that thing. But let's be clear. It starts with Jordan Davis, and you can do so much in behind him because you got a big six foot seven tree trunk sitting in the middle that can, oh, by the way, bend. He can move, he can run quarterbacks down sideline to sideline, and it just makes everybody around him that much better. 
you know, this is a game for South Carolina that you want to come in, you want to compete because they got SEC athletes. Let's not downplay that. But right now in game three where Shane Beamer is, they're not built for a game like this. And I fully expect Georgia to uh, handle business Saturday night. Yeah, I'm interested to get to that question too, Rusty. I've been sitting over here reading it on the side, uh, thinking about that question about Georgia's defense and what makes it different. I watched that South Carolina-East Carolina game, part of it, on Saturday. And uh, early on, I'll tell you this right now. If Georgia comes out and runs the football from the jump, and and listen, South Carolina buckled down and then was able to stop East Carolina's run game uh, a lot better as that game went on. But if Georgia's able to come out out and run the football early like East Carolina was, this one's going to be a wrap in short order. Okay, it's going to be pretty quick. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that's the way I see it. I mean, listen, I, I think South Carolina might have a chance to come out with its hair on fire, play really well, um, you know, and kind of keep this game, you know, in check for a little while. But I think ultimately Georgia's going to wear them down and uh, Georgia's going to beat them up pretty good. Uh, and it should. I mean, that's this is a team in transition. The, the previous coach staff got fired for a reason. I know Will Muschamp's on Georgia staff now. Um, he didn't get fired because he's a bad football mind. He got fired because the just the – Thing snowballed on them a little bit and, and kind of got out of hand. And uh, they, they lost some talent last year. They've got some talent positions, especially running back and, and, and defensive line. Um, but the matchup is really tough for South Carolina because they are struggling up front. And you know, talk about what makes this defense different. It's not just Jordan Davis up front. He's got a whole gang of amigos up front, and they're really good up there. And that just, to me, you look back at that Clemson game, Georgia's got a chance to dominate this game like it did that Clemson game up front. And uh, that'll spell bad news for South Carolina because South Carolina is also struggling at quarterback. They're struggling in the passing game. They, they, they're just not getting it going right now. And if that continues, Georgia should run away with this one pretty quickly. One, the one quick thing I'll say, roster-wise, it's, it's really not close. It's just I'm going to say that. Yeah. But what you like if you're a South Carolina fan is how hard those kids are playing. Right. I mean, they're, they're down 14 to nothing. They can't even really get a first down. And they battle their tails off into a win. And that South Carolina staff knows what they're dealing with right now. Turnover, roster, transfers, all those types of things. Uh, just to see those kids play as hard as they, as they did, you know that gives them a little bit of uh, you know, positivity to understand where they're going. And um, you look at, you know, you look at Sam Pittman, year two, what he's done uh, at Arkansas. And certainly South Carolina is hoping that's the that's the trajectory they're going but I'll tell you this as far as this game Saturday night I mean it's a it's a very very tall task and you really just kind of hope that game is still a game in the third quarter and I think you call it a win then for, for South Carolina multiple early turnovers for South Carolina in that game they didn't go into tank so that's that's something you sure. feel good about as a as a South Carolina fan Kip what's your lean well, I think so far what you've, you know, it, it's tough to, to know a lot about South Carolina because, like you said, I mean, they've played Eastern Illinois and they've played East, Eastern Carolina. And I think, I mean, the one thing you could take from the Eastern Carolina game is that, you know, they've had some adversity and they, they you know, they've been able to, to figure some things out about themselves and what maybe their strengths and weaknesses are. But, I mean, it's a team that does have some ball security issues. I mean, they've had three fumbles. Uh, it's a young team and that, and that shows the fact that they've had, I think they've had 16 penalties in two games. So going on the road, you know, playing in Athens at night, that's probably going to be an issue for them. I think, you know, you're going to have some flags and and Georgia's probably going to get some, some free yardage that way that, you know, South Carolina is probably going to put themselves in bad situations with, but 
you know, Josh Van is, is shown he's a playmaker, and he's a guy that I think is going to test Georgia in multiple facets of the game, you know, whether it's their return coverage, you know, whether it's Darion Kendrick and, and, and that secondary, you know, Georgia hasn't really been tested downfield, and they haven't really been tested with a guy that can that can break tackles and get some yards after the catch. And I think Josh Fan can do a little bit of everything for you. So they're going to be leaning on him early and often in this game. Uh, I, I don't really think, you know, the ground game, you know, Marshawn Lloyd, it's, it's been kind of some, you know, tough sledding for him so far. I think Juju McDowell's a, you know, an impressive athlete out of Lee County who kind of can do a little bit of everything for you out there. So, you know, he's a guy that, you know, can give you some different looks out there and, and maybe catch a couple passes, maybe get a couple of tosses out there as well. But I don't think that, you know, offensively South Carolina is going to have the firepower to, I mean, if they get in the double digits, I think it's going to be a win for them. And, and I think that defensively uh, they're, they're going to be put to the test. And I just don't think they have the guys out there defensively to, to cover some of the guys that, that Georgia's being able to showcase, uh, you know, coming off this UAB game. I think that that's really, really going to be an issue for them. So I, I think that they're, it's going to get away from them pretty early. And I, I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty rough game for Shane Beamer. And I think his, his home, his homecoming, uh, I mean, his, his debut in Athens will be one that he probably wants to forget. You know, one thing, Jake and Kip, you know, we've been doing this a long time with this team and all these, these, uh, you know, these Georgia South Carolina games. You see that Pollock highlight yesterday. And you think about how tough all these games were. I mean, it's really crazy to believe that Georgia's a 31 point favorite in an SEC game against South Carolina. I mean, that tells you kind of the scope of where both teams are right now. But I thought about that this morning. A 30, Georgia used to play South Carolina that first game of the year. And man, it was a nail biter. I don't care. Lou Holt certainly won his share of games against Georgia. Steve Spurrier did as well. So you look at those those games, and right now it's a 31-point margin. That is crazy to me. For the longest time, it played out differently than you thought it was going to play out. I Every mean, year. There were, Every times year. Where, there were times where Georgia would get a blowout, or South Carolina had one or two as well, that the blowout would happen when you didn't expect it to happen, when you thought you yeah. were in for a barn burner. And then the 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 tight game would happen when more often than not, maybe a hundred percent of the time, when you thought Georgia was just way more talented was going to come out there and knock them around. This one's different. This one's just different than those. And here lately, we've seen Georgia blow them out when they're supposed to blow them out. Outside of the last time they were in Sanford Stadium, uh, which you know that one's a game that uh, even a couple Georgia players said that one's kind of stuck in their craw a little bit this week. Um, that they, you know, I think Trayvon Walker mentioned it uh, last night. Was like, yeah, I still think about it because I was on that team, and you know, we played really bad that day. Uh, defense didn't necessarily play bad, but the offense sure did. Uh, turned it over four times, and and if Georgia can avoid cat- catastrophic stuff like that, they should be able to run away with this game. Listen, uh, Stetson Bennett is not delivering the mailbag, but we're still going to have it on the other side of the breaks. So let's take that break real quick, and we'll see you on the other side. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, first question, QDog22. UGA has had defenses ranked in the top 10, top 5 last couple of years. What makes this defense different? I'm going to start us off here because I've got something that I think that that really does make this defense different, and I think it's something that that Georgia has wanted and has tried for years, but this one does it better than all of them. Is You know how, guys, when, when you, know, you get the run game going, and maybe it's not great to begin with, maybe you haven't worn them down enough, and then all of a sudden it just starts to get better and better. That's how this Georgia defense is. It's going to wear – opposing offensive lines down. You're going to have guards and, and, and centers and tackles as physical as they are, tight ends and running backs, as physical as they want to be, as mentally tough as they are, they're eventually going to fall short. They're going to fall into that Marshawn Lynch thing where they just got hit in the mouth too many times by too many fresh players, and Georgia just wears teams down. And, and I think that's what makes this defense – so uh, have so much potential to be special. We're only two games into the year. They still haven't allowed an offensive touchdown. And not necessarily with the pass rush or the run defense as much as it is just the accumulative effect, the body blows. It's Georgia's, Georgia's defensive line treats opposing offenses and flips the script on them because they do to offenses what offenses want to do to opposing defenses. And that's just wear them down and demoralize them and – and, you know, Rusty, you've said it a bunch of times, and, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, I, I guess maybe borrowed a little bit from Barton Simmons, that boa constrictor effect is eventually you're just like, I got to get out of this. I, I don't care, okay. win, lose, draw, I'll tap if I've got to. I'll get out of it. I just got to go. And I think that's the kind of the effect Georgia uh, can have on uh, on opposing teams, and I think that's what makes this Georgia defense different. What about you, Rusty? I mean, yeah, you summed it up. You don't have to say much there. You know, that Georgia will suffocate you. Barton Simmons, boa constrictor term. Um, you know, they just wear you down. And I can't imagine trying to game plan, trying to pick out a weakness, because you have to pick your poison there. Um, Georgia's right now doesn't have to have an extra guy in the box because they control you so much with their front four. And then the two or three guys in behind them can, oh, yeah, they can run too. So, um you know, there's not really much to say other than this 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 team. Um, this is a lot of fast guys. Uh, I was thinking about right there when you talked about that, Jake. You know, you're sitting there and, you know, Jordan Davis and Devontae White, you know, trot off. And then here comes Trayvon Walker. Here comes, you know, uh, Jalen uh, Carter and all those guys. That next crew, and you got to be thinking, my goodness, man, where, you know, how do they get these guys? So uh, you look at that and, and, you know, it's kind of frustrating as a team. You got to get to, for Georgia, to, to beat Georgia. Uh, you got to have some early offensive momentum, I think, to to 
because those guys feed off of that, man. Once you start seeing them bouncing around and, and all those things on about that third or fourth series so far, what I've seen, uh, you know, they, they smell blood and that defense plays a lot faster. I think a, a key, anybody playing Georgia, uh, I think you got to have some early offensive success to try to make them kind of, uh, you know, even kill a little bit and see if you can get some movement up against them and score some points. Make them adjust, make them scramble, like, you know, knock them off their spot a little bit and, and, and cause them to create some adversity for them. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Kip, make us interesting here. Figure out some way to – a different <laughs> angle to come at this thing from. The fact no that – Give them some rat poison, Kip. <laughs> well, I mean, that UAB game, we're, we're all in the press box watching that game, watching Georgia once again hold a team to less than 200 yards, uh, not give up, you know – a single point defensively in that game. So now it's three points allowed uh, after two games. And lo and behold, Devontae Wyatt wasn't even on the field, you know. Yeah. One yeah. of Georgia's best defensive linemen was not on the field. And you just you just look at the fact that over – I think it's over 40 guys with a tackle now. And you got like 11 guys with a, with a tackle for loss. And like I said, Devontae Wyatt yet to have a tackle for loss. Quay Walker, Tymon Mitchell, Tramel Walther – I mean, Warren Brinson, those guys haven't even had a tackle for a loss yet, but you know it's coming. So you're going to have double-digit guys that, you know, are, are in opponents' backfields. It's that depth in the front seven. It's it's just a defensive front that we haven't really seen at Georgia in probably, you know, the last 15 or 16 years. You start looking at those early, early, you know, uh, 2000s defensive fronts where they were rotating out guys that were playing on Sundays. That That's the difference here. I mean, Georgia, gosh, we talked about they went, what, eight years now without a defensive lineman getting drafted. And Malik Herring, you know, would have broken that streak most likely if he doesn't get injured uh, right there at the end, you know, try, trying to prepare for the draft. So there's some guys on this defensive front they are going to be playing on Sundays. No doubt. There are multiple guys. Trey Scott's going to have multiple feathers in his cap when it comes to recruiting because, uh, you know, there's some difference makers up there. And so we, we can bring in some of these guys and rotate some of these guys in, in the second and third quarter whenever uh, teams are normally wearing down. I mean, we talk about Georgia wearing down people offensively and being able to continue to rotate those running backs in the third and fourth quarter and, and, and win, you know, kind of get away from, from other teams in some tight games. Georgia's defense is kind of built up to where they're not going to wear down and they're going to be able to, if they need to, do some heavy lifting in the second half when they're playing some of the better teams in the schedule. So I just think it's it's that depth in the defensive front and it's the fact that it's not just the, you know Adam Anderson. You got N'Kobe Dean out there. You got Channing Tindall in this last game trying to do his best Roquan Smith impersonation, just chasing down the ball from side to sideline to sideline. You got some athletic freaks out there and guys like Trevon Walker, uh, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, guys that have the ability to be disruptive but also just are, are physically more athletic than what most teams have on their roster. So I, I just think it's it's that depth and it, it's – I mean, it's Kirby's recruiting paying off. I mean, you, you just look at the roster from top to bottom and, and you know, if, if there is an injury or if they're rotating a guy in, there's not a drop-off in the, in the level of play. And, and that's that's really the key there is that you can continue to rotate guys in. You're not worried about is this guy going to be able to play up to the standard that we're trying to set for Georgia football 
That's, I mean, that's what Kirby's mantra is now. They talked about that at the game is, is playing up to the standard. And, and they have two and three groups of guys who can play up to that standard for Georgia. And that's the biggest difference between this, this defense and, you know, some of the other impressive defenses that Kirby Smart has fielded over the last five or six years. All right, these next two should go pretty quick. Tag three says, do you think Stetson Bennett will return? Do you think Kirby Smart might encourage that? Very possible. And absolutely he should. If he doesn't, I don't know what's wrong with him. But I think he probably – I mean, yeah. I don't care if that guy's your second or your third guy. Good guy to have on the roster. Good guy that can come in in a pinch and play football for you. He should absolutely encourage it. Rusty, what you got? I agree a thousand percent. And and I think you saw everybody saw the post-game comments of Kirby. He talked about Stetson Bennett in front of the team that versus he's – you know, he was a starter. He got hurt, came back. Now he's third string, getting barely any reps. Um, he's asked to lead the team this week, and he has SEC Performance of the Week, uh, Offensive Player of the Week. So, um, yeah, there's no question that Georgia would try to encourage him to come back. Now, will he? That's something that we'll all – you know, that'll play out in time. But I feel very confident that Georgia would would certainly uh, love to have Stetson Bennett come back another year next year to have him in the mix. And who knows how this thing plays out, but you got a guy that's very, you know, he's starting to get very experienced in SEC play, which is crazy to say. Uh, but I, I feel very confident that Georgia would welcome Stetson Bennett to stay another year and to have him another fall. What about you, Kip? Uh, I mean, it's up to Stetson Bennett at this point. I think every single game he gets to go out there and, and, and perform against Power 5 FBS programs regardless He's establishing himself as a guy that started other programs across the country. So I think, you know, it, it really is up to him. Do I want to continue to compete for the starting job in, you know, a talented quarterback room? Or do I want to go somewhere where I know I could start? I and mean, Kirby Smart mentioned, I mean, I think that was the early recruiting pitch he's already making the Stetson that talking about how much he loves Georgia football. He went ahead and put him out there as a guy that just lives and breathes Georgia and so, I mean, that'll be put to the test, and Kirby Smart's going to possibly have to do a little bit of recruiting there. That is, you got two kinds of recruiting now. You got the recruiting of trying to get guys to sign up and, and play for your roster coming out of high school, and you got that recruiting of keeping guys in your roster with the transfer portal right there. And so you, you have to continue to, to let your guys know that the opportunity is there. Nothing's going to be given to them, but they have a chance to play meaningful football for a program that's competing for championships. And I mean, that's obviously something that brought Stetson Bennett back the first time. And, and so keeping him there, I mean, again, it's just going to be up to the Kirby Smart and this coaching staff to convince him that he should. Do we lose? We might have lost Kip. Kip. <laughs> we might have lost Kip. He's... I mean, that's a good frame for Kip right there at least. Georgia <laughs> and give it another go next year. Yeah, we lost you there for a second. You had like a freeze frame of your face you a, up there. You had a good frame. You had a good frame on that, so don't worry about it. It won't be a gif anywhere, but it could have been. Too many it. people screenshot me, probably crashed yeah. it, you know, one to yeah. get a new profile photo. <laughs> hey, don't worry. At least you didn't stick your hand in there. People's going to think that's a foot. They're going to think these are toes. Oh. Uh, all right, Rumple Teaser says, uh, what is the most effective way to use James Cook? I've said this over and over again. I think you got to find a way to put that guy in foot races. And, and you've got to put him in foot races with linebackers and safeties and, and find ways to get him. And not, just, not necessarily just in the passing game, but, you know, stretch plays, outside zone, toss sweep, stuff like that. I feel like you got to get him out on the perimeter. He, listen, he had a really impressive little inside run this past week where he kind of got wrapped up and 
almost taken to the ground and found a way to stay on his foot, showed a lot of balance on that play. That's something that I've been critical of him in the past. Um, but but I think most effectively is, is to put him in foot races. You saw it last year in the Alabama game twice. One was on that go route where he scored that long touchdown. The other was on a little flat route on his third and short where basically they just sprinted him straight toward the sideline and said, hey, turn around and look for the football. And Dylan Moses couldn't quite catch up, and, and they hit him for the first down. So I think that's the way you use James Cook most effectively. And, uh, um, you know, you saw it last year on the on the angle route that he ran against Kentucky, I believe it was. No, at Missouri, when he scored a touchdown against Missouri. Those are the ways you use them, and uh, we'll see if Georgia kind of gets into a groove that way. Uh, anything you guys want to add as far as James Cook, or can we move on? You, that's pretty spot on there. They, they better find a way to use him because I'm telling you, the NFL is going to find a way to use him. Yeah. He just yeah, so agree. And they definitely know. tried to, to give him more looks in the last game. I mean, all those inside runs uh, maybe had some people scratching their heads, but, I mean, they're trying to see what he can do. We've, you know, we've gone through here, and uh, the, the idea of James Cook has, has been more impressive than maybe the reality. Now, I mean, I've thrown out the fact that he, he's averaged more yards per touch than – than any running back with over 100 touches in program history. It's like 6.6, 6.7 yards per touch. So you know that when he gets the ball, usually good things happen. It's just, you know, at some point you're trying to, uh, you know, put that that round peg in, in a square hole, so to speak, and, and it's 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 not really – he's not really that kind of guy. But as Rusty said, we, we've seen guys like Alvin Kamara not exactly get fully utilized in college, and then boom, they get to the NFL and – Lo and behold, I mean, they're elite talent. And I think James Cook, he has that ability. It's just, you know, it's it's finding that way to maximize what he brings to the table. And I think when you have a deep running back room, sometimes, you know, it's tough to give him enough carries to really get him lathered up and going. You just have, you just have too many good players back there. So I don't know if we'll see the best of James Cook at Georgia, but I think that when he does get those touches, as long as, you know, the teams haven't already scouted and schemed for that whenever he's on the field, if he's going in motion or not like that, but he should still be able to be highly productive for Georgia, you know, as, as the season goes on. Yeah. The, the gulf between the big plays, the best plays from James Cook and the worst plays from James Cook is, is wider than, than most running backs. I, I mean, I think that's a, that's one of the things that kind of throws you off guard there with him uh, desire. And I've always loved this name. I know this guy. I know this guy personally, and I've always loved this name, D-E, and then he spells it Zyre, like Eric Zyre. Uh, Desire says, uh, who's the freshman DB you expect to play the most minutes this season? Kamari Lasseter. I think Kamari Lasseter's probably on the cusp of entering the DB rotation at some point, at some time um, this season. He's probably the closest one to the field. Um, I'd probably go Nylon Green next uh, at some point because I think that potential is going to show through. Rusty, who you got there? So far, it's Javon Bullard. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, you know, I mean, that's kind of surprised me. Uh, I had to actually look and see who, who that was last week playing so much. So um, there's a lot to be left there determined. You know, you usually start seeing after that bye week, start seeing who come, who kind of gets in there. But um, I'll be interested next this this game and then Vandy because uh, I think those are both two games opportunities for the second half. You can get some younger guys in there. We'll see kind of how that rotation plays out. Absolutely. Who you got, Kip? Well, just – Go ahead and dismissing. I'm not going to go on a technicality and and call Kelly Ringo just because he's a redshirt freshman. I'm assuming this is true freshman. I mean, it's all injury based. I think that right now you're just rotating those guys in. You got kind of a core group that you know you tried out there and and you know can can give you a good number of snaps. But 
I, I do think that Nylon Green may, you know, he might push for more playing time as the season goes on. I think he's the guy that just with more and more experience out there, he's going to earn more trust and from this coaching staff. And I think as far as just his talent and his athleticism, I think he could be out there as, you know, that that third cornerback in situations and give you just a little bit of everything and and, and kind of bring some some game changing potential as well. As far as, you know, if he's able to go up there and, and catch a ball and, and bring it down, I think, you know, he's got he got some some big return upside there as a DB as well. So I just think as far as just his overall explosiveness and his overall talent level, I like Don Green. I just think that. You know, we're all just kind of speculating at this point because I do think it's going to be uh, it's going to be injury based. I think if the the starters out there now have, have played well enough to continue playing out there, it's just I don't know if any of these guys are going to push those guys for starting minutes. But if any of them has the capability and the talent, I like Nylon Green in that scenario. I know Georgia fans really want to see probably one of those guys find a way into the sixth defensive back role at some point, just because listen, it's not sexy, Dan Jackson. He wears 47 and plays in the secondary. He's a walk-on. Nobody wants to see, you know, that guy out there. But he just continues to be out there, continues to do a good job. And, uh, uh, you know, I think – but I think if you polled most fans, they would love to see Kamari Lasseter or Nylon Green or even Javon Bullard slide into that six defensive back role and, and figure out a way to get on the field that way. Last question, Fry Dog. Love this question. Love this question. How can UGA use Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers on the field together when Washington returns? It sounds – it really is kind of simple, but I still love the question. I mean, listen, two tight end sets is something they're using already with Brock Bowers and, and, and John Fitzpatrick. I love the three tight end set, and I love the three tight end set with, 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 with Brock Bowers on the field because you get a tight end on the field that you almost have to treat like a wide receiver. You know, you've got that you've got that kind of speed. Listen, Georgia's longest play in the last, I don't know, seven years is by Brock Bowers. Okay. I mean, it's a tight end. I know it was against UAB, but the one previous to that was against what North North Texas. Reggie, Reggie uh, Davis had a 99-yard catch against North Texas or something like that. So, I mean, listen, I mean, Brock Bowers can do a lot of different things for you. He can line up in a lot of different spots for you. And you can really put some teams in conflict with a three tight end set with him being that third tight end, the guy that can motion across the formation and uh, do some stuff and make you pick your poison as far as the run game goes. Rusty, how do you see uh, getting Washington and Bowers involved together? They're definitely going to try it because you get a guy that can run so fast and you get a guy with the physical, you know, six foot seven and a half maybe six, eight, you know, you put those guys on the field and it causes stress. And as an offensive staff, um, as an offensive coordinator, you love that word to call stress on the defense in preparation to make sure you have the best matchup you can. And can we defend these guys on the field at the same time? So I think um, you got to play both of them a lot based off what I know. Uh, but, you know, we'll deal with that when they get here. But I, I think that what you were talking about, Jake, as far as three, three tight ends, they certainly could go that route, um, you know, and, and have that, have that little tight package, that little bunch package right there, have all three of those guys. And, you know, it's really, you know, you start looking at, you know, six, three, six, five, and then six, eight. Um, it, it's hard to maybe six, six, I'm not sure what Fitzpatrick is, but it's hard to defend length. And then you throw in the element of Bowers and what we saw last week, that, that kid can roll. So, 
it causes stress when you start thinking about those guys. And I think that's the best compliment I can give uh, as far as what we could expect out of them. It, it's going to it's going to cause some headaches for teams preparing for them. Georgia started that Florida game last year with three tight ends, two running backs, ran a truck sweep, and it was 75 yards to the house. And, uh, you know, there's some more stuff you can do out of something like that with a guy like Brock Bowers in the game. Kip, what's your take on this? I mean, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks have shown us you can't have too many good tight ends out there. I mean, you just look at what, what they roll out there every week. I mean, getting back a guy like O.J. Howard, you know, they already have Gronk out there. I, I think – uh a big guy like Mike Evans is, you know, he's not a tight end, but he's got size out there. I mean, that kind of size is is just really, really impressive, and I think it allows them to do a lot of things. I mean, you know, Cameron Braid as well. It, those guys were all Tom Brady's best friends last year. And I, if anything, you know, it might not take away snaps from John Fitzpatrick as much as you might be looking at, uh, you know, Kiaris Jackson when he's healthy and Lab McConkey fighting Brock Bowers for 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 snaps you just put him out there in the slot and i mean he can he's already shown he's got the athleticism to basically play any any pass catching position out there in the field for georgia so yeah kirby smart praised him as being you know a, a powerful blocker and a willing blocker but you don't need to limit brock bowers to again playing the tight end position you just you just put him out there and let him play whatever position gives you the mismatch you need to to make explosive plays and if you got a guy like darnell washington out there as well i mean that just makes it that much more difficult for for the opposing secondaries because if you you take brock bowers in motion or darnell you know they're going to have to move with that guy and it's just really really going to make like difficult for that for that secondary just because of the athleticism and size both those guys really present out there so it's just another weapon i don't think that todd monken's going to be worried about you know, having too many weapons. I mean, I think if that's his biggest uh, issue when he heads into game plan session, he's going to be a happy guy because he's going to go out there and, and just build his resume up. And, and I mean, now, like I said before, he's got a full off season to do that. As these guys continue to get healthy, he's going to be able to, to use every play and, and give whoever's at quarterback more, more weapons at their disposal to really go out there and, and attack defenses. So, as we said, as Georgia can, you know, if they continue to get healthy, uh, the sky is the limit for this offense, and and they should be able to to really, really put up some impressive numbers over, over the next couple of months. The ever elusive jumbo offensive weapon, Brock Bowers. All right, guys, that's all we got for this show. Listen, Junkyard Dogcast, powered by Dogs twenty four seven. Go subscribe on YouTube. We'll be back with you tomorrow to give our predictions for Georgia, South Carolina. But we're going to wrap this one up. I'm Jake Rowe at Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 